Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 17 of ITG, you are in the gun here. It's time for a Baylor recap as the Mountaineers get a much-needed win at home on a Thursday night. Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the signal caller Jed Drenning, and the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt. This episode of ITG brought to you by our new friends at Bet Online. Gentlemen, how we doing? Owen? Solid. Brought worse, so you must be doing pretty well. Solid. Yeah, uh, it's nothing like uh, that truly just makes you feel great after a good win is uh, some some good old bratwurst. Johnsonville, the only way to go. Not better cheddar, is it? Okay. The only way. If you're not not eating Johnsonville brats, you're you're not probably probably not eating a brat. I mean. He's a Wisconsin fella. He'd know. He would know. He's the authority. He's the authority on brats there, I tell you, Mr. Owen Schmidt. Uh, This episode, like I said, brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You can find the latest odds, matchup, player news, game trends, and more. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, NHL, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I tell you what, Jed, eh, speaking of games starting Thursday night, it was a... a little thin at kickoff, but I think that was to be expected. Parking lots didn't open till later Thursday night. Later arriving crowd, a lot of people coming from work. But I think that that place, you know, just a couple minutes in the first quarter was jumping. That was uh, that was good to see. It was good to see. I, I think you had to feel that throughout the course of the week, we kept hearing all these terrible weather reports, and uh, you know, it seemed like rain was going to hit and take over. And the closer we got to Thursday, it started looking a little more favorable. And then the closer we got to kickoff even better still. Uh, and I think there was a, a pretty significant amount of walk-ups as a result of that too. But uh, you're right. I mean, it took a bit to fill out, but once it did fill out, it was uh, it was a nice setting. Great, good crowd, uh, perfect weather. I mean, you can't ask for much more out of an October Thursday night game than that Mountaineer field. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good time. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it was a good time. I'll just leave it at that. It was a good time. It was it was fun finding Wes yes. uh, launching into the stadium with his cronies. Uh, it was it was just a good time. It you had to be there. If you weren't the there, exactly. If you weren't there, uh, or if you were sitting in that section, you probably saw us having a good time as well. 
Um, yeah, for anybody who was in for anybody who was in box five, we apologize for for how much fun yeah. we were having. Yes, we we had we had a ball. Well, it's 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 like we were already talking, guys, and for the listeners out there and the viewers, you know, uh, I still had this giant bruise on the top of my left foot from Tony Math and J- Mathis just crushing me when he stepped out of bounds when he got knocked out of bounds on a catch and run. Well, Wes. I might expect that being on the sideline. Sure, sure. You have sure. bruises from watching the game next to Owen. I tell you what, I got a couple <laughs> headbutts in the chest. I got a couple head knockers. That was to be expected, though. I was ready for it. We had to be careful a couple times because I was wearing my glasses, you know, night game. I wanted to make sure I could see everything. I had my glasses on. And uh, you should have worn contacts because there was some, you know, there was some head knocking going on there. There was some chest bumping. Um but yeah, I, t- I tell you what, we we linked up right before the game. We've had a couple people who have tweeted us. Owen, I know you've seen these tweets. A couple people yeah. have tweeted us and been like, Wes and Owen, you guys talk about having a beer together every episode. When's it finally going to happen? Oh, what happened on Thursday night against Baylor several and Milan Pushcart? Yeah, <laughs> several times. There were several beers consumed. And uh, so Owen went to the game with me. We, we have a group of 12 guys that we always go to the game with. We have two, you know, 12 season tickets. They're two rows of six, you know, right on top of each other. And uh, I think Owen was best friends with all 11 of those other guys, oh, 10 and myself by the time we, uh, by the time we left on Thursday night. It was, uh, it was a good time had by all, absolutely. I was glad we were able to, uh, to make that work. That was, yeah. We had a great time. Finally, Owen and I finally got to do the the dang thing together. Um, you know, you little country roads with the beer truck. You can't beat that. It ends with country roads. I mean, I interviewed Neil and on the field, just as country roads is kicking in. And the next thing I know, Neil's over there with Brooke and his kids. And they're, they're sitting there swinging back and forth to country roads. I interviewed Casey Legg real quick. And I, I tried to be as quick as possible. Because Casey Leg was eager to get over and join the team, obviously, in the sure. song. So uh, it was uh, a, a perfect ending to one heck of a football game, a great college football game. And, and uh, again, one of the great traditions in, uh, in all of college football, as we all know it and enjoy it. And, and it never gets old. It never gets old. I mean, every time you're down there, it's you, you keep thinking, maybe this is the time I won't get as misty-eyed over it. But you do. You do every time you get misty eyed over it. being sitting there on the field and looking at the stands and it's just the movement and the energy. And I, it's, and, and I'm sure it's like that up there in the stands as well, as you guys oh, yeah. were. And uh, so what, what, what a, what a great celebration. Yeah. I, I seen one guy tweeted something about, you know, there was more seats in the stands than people came, but like Wes saluted kind of, last week you know the people that were there they they showed up and showed out man they they it was it was loud at times so it was it was good stuff i i enjoyed it and as always it there's nothing like leaving a mountaineer game saying country roads it's the only way to go i need to know what time did you get home big o oh man so uh, so i kind of teleported okay because as soon as i hit the car i passed out and then as soon as i woke up Husband Beckley. You dog. He has a wormhole. Okay. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. But he didn't tell you he woke up on Tuesday. <laughs> didn't tell you he woke up just before we had to record. And all the stops thing. in between. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So it was It was wild. Oh, without a doubt. No, it, it certainly was. Um, I'll say this, too. Is, is we'll, we'll tell more stories, and we'll talk about the game more, obviously, as we go along here. But piggybacking off of what Owen said there about, about the crowd, and, and obviously, there, I mean, there were some empty seats, without a doubt, particularly in the, in the upper decks. Um, 
The people who were there, though, like you said, they were engaged from start to finish. They were into it. They were loud. They were rowdy. They were stand. I mean, we were standing the majority of the game, uh, certainly in the second half. And you know, I was thinking about this Friday, right? It was it was about two a.m. before I got home on Thursday night into Friday. You know, I got five hours, four and a half hours of sleep before my daughter woke me up. I had to get her ready, and then had to you know go to work and all that stuff. And I'm driving into work just hungover and tired, happy and ecstatic, but hungover and tired. And I'm like, oh, man, like this isn't as easy as it was when I was 20 years old, right, now being in my 30s. But I kept thinking to myself, that's the feeling that we chase. You know, like that's what kept sticking with me Friday, Saturday, Sunday, throughout the weekend. You know, there, there were some people who tweeted. I, I kind of went on a, you know, one of those tangents about how on our, on our preview episode about how, you know, the people who show up on Thursday will be true fans who really want to be there. And there were a couple of you, I think, who maybe took that the wrong way. I wasn't saying if you don't go to the games, you're not a true fan. I get that. Some of you live far away. Some of you live well outside. You live in different time zones. You have kids. You have jobs. You have all that sure. stuff. But what I meant by that, though, is the people that can go and do always go to the game, you're looking for that magic. You're looking for those couple times a year that, that you get games like we got on Thursday night. And that's what I kept thinking. That's why I've got season tickets. That's why, you know, I get two or three days off a month during football season with my job with the Steelers. And when I do, I'm driving down to Morgantown for more football while I'm going on a Thursday night and only getting four and a half hours of sleep into Friday. It's for that feeling. That type of game, that type of atmosphere, that type of outcome, country roads at the end, the crowd, the electricity. If you're somebody who goes to the games, and, and you can, again, right, not, not saying anything about people who can't, but if you're somebody who goes to the games, whether the team is 10-0 and or 0-10, whether it's 80 degrees and sunny outside, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whatever, if you're somebody who goes to the games regardless, win, lose, draw, weather, conference opponent, wh- whatever, that's the feeling we chase, man. And while I was dragging all day Friday and, and Saturday, um, I, I just kept thinking about that. That's the feeling that we chase. It was like, Jed, you and I talked about this. It was like that Iowa State game last year when everyone thinks you're going to lose, when everyone's ready to give up on the season, and you go and you pull off something like that. Uh, that's that's why I got the season tickets. No. That's why I make and all totally the totally redeem yourself. And totally have a great time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's why that's 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 the feeling that I, as a WVU fan and a season ticket holder, that's the feeling that I chase, and and we we only get that once or twice a year, and and we certainly got it on Thursday night. Uh, much like the Brocktober surprise against Iowa State last year, yeah, people counted us uh, down and out. Uh, but and you know what, there were points in that football game that that didn't look so favorable. There were some some times that things Absolutely. looked grim, but but this team, say what you want about this football team, uh, one thing's very apparent. They obviously have fight in them, okay? Uh, now, they responded from uh, uh, a performance in Austin that they weren't proud of, and they came out, uh, and, and there were a lot of moments of adversity against Baylor. Baylor is a well-coached football team that's going to win some games this year. I mean, that's just how it is. I, I think they're more to the, one of the – they're a very well-balanced football team. They're going to win some games this year. Uh, Dave Aran and that crew are going to find a way to do that. Uh, and so to be down to those guys the way we were and dig down uh, despite, you know, all the things working against us and find a way to claw that thing out, that takes fight. Uh, and a team with fight is a team that has a chance. So let's see where we go from here. 
Well said. Well said. Before we go to our first break here, uh, Jed, you did want to take a peek at the uh, the newest AP Top 25 poll, college football rankings. Uh, Georgia at the top, Ohio State number two, Tennessee climbing, Michigan climbing, while Alabama falls. Um, what's your? Uh, I know you. I know you got some kind of uh, some kind of juicy take or opinion or, or nugget that you've dug out here from this. What stands out to you uh, about this uh, this week eight now uh, Top 25 poll? Yeah, well, it's a time of year where you start to wonder, all right, which of these unbeatens are going to blink, okay? And over the weekend, we saw that happen with, a, with a, a small list of them. Obviously, Alabama, a game for the ages at Tennessee, suffered their first loss on the road. Oklahoma State, uh, that much-anticipated USC trip to Utah. Mm-hmm. The Utes a found game. a way. Wow, what a game, dude. What, what a, a game. game. That's, that's another team with fight, you know, but uh, – uh, I, I tell you what, Michigan surprised me with the way they absolutely mulched Penn State. Penn State's not a bad football team. And to drop four bills on the ground against those guys the way they did and kind of just have your way with them. But a meteor will arrive from the outer reaches of space and hit Paul Feinbaum in the head. <laughs> I think if this all ends up with three SEC teams and a four-team playoff, because that's all everybody's talking about now. What happens if Georgia now hands Tennessee its first loss, goes into Atlanta to the SEC championship game unbeaten, is knocked off by Alabama, and all of them are sitting there at the end of the day with one loss? Do they all get into the four-team playoff? Please don't let that happen. All right? (laughs) Please don't let that happen. Uh, Three good football teams. Let's see how this plays out. Obviously, TCU sitting there parked at number eight in uh, both polls. Uh, they're playing good football, and I think you got to add Sonny Dykes. We've talked so much about Lance Leipold, uh, and for that matter, Josh Heupel with Tennessee as Coach of the Year candidates. Sonny Dykes has to be on that list as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what he's done in short order at TCU with the athletes that they have on both sides of the football, fitting into his system and making plays for him in his system. He inherited a quarterback. He inherited some offensive playmakers. And he's really putting them in position to make plays and do what they do well and do what they do best. So uh, very interesting. UCLA sitting there staying alive, still unbeaten. Everybody was counting them out after that 4-0 start when they basically beat, you know, folks that couldn't play dead in the Western. Well, now they have a couple, you know, decent Pac-12 wins. And so, yeah, it's it's getting to the point in the season where it starts to get interesting and things starts to unfold and flesh out and – and before you, you know, we'll turn around before you blink and we'll start having playoff polls as well. But, but uh, yeah, that's kind of my take on it right now. Yeah, no, it's you're right. You've got some teams that you're wondering, okay, how good is Old Miss? How good is yeah. TCU? How good is UCLA? Um, I, I thought TCU was a little fraudulent. Not that they were bad, right? But, oh, okay, they're not this good, but you take care of business against Oklahoma State, the the reigning, uh, well, conference runner-ups uh, from last year, and a team that has certainly been been very steady, very solid here over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's now's getting to the point where it's interesting. You know, Syracuse. Syracuse is still unbeaten, 6-0. They got, they, got, they got Clemson this weekend. Let's see, let's see what you're really made of, right? I mean, they um, peaked, Wes. With that bowl win over West Virginia, they had that big season, that 10-win season then. They've really been on the decline since then. And this is the first time you see that arrow starting to point back up at Syracuse. So that's another great, great example right there. Yeah. Heading on the road to Death Valley, the other Death Valley. Let's see what plays out. But uh, they're playing good defense. You know, Syracuse is sneaking up on some people with some solid defense. And I don't know how many folks saw that coming. So, yeah, interesting time of year. 
real quick before we go to break, you guys will like this story. Speaking of Syracuse, so Syracuse next weekend comes to Pittsburgh to play Pitt. All right, and what's obviously going to be a, a you know an important clash there in terms of uh, vying for a spot in the ACC championship game and all those things. The Pitt ticket sales rep that I bought our Backyard Brawl group tickets for. As I shared here on the podcast before, right, I brought I bought 19 tickets to the Backyard Brawl for me and my friends and family. Um, the ticket rep who sold me those tickets, she called me uh, this this past uh, this past week on Friday and said, hey, Wes, you know, your group group ticket purchaser from earlier in the year, we wanted to invite you back. I'll give you two complimentary tickets to the Pitt-Syracuse game next weekend, uh, you know, for, as a thank you and to get you back out to the stadium. And I wanted to say ESP and, you know, stick those tickets where the sun don't shine. And, yeah, you know, of course you guys are giving away tickets for a game against ranked Syracuse, someone that you consider a rival. But I said, no, I said, that's all right. I'm going to be out of town, which is true. I, I will be out of town with my Steelers responsibilities. I'm going to be out of town. I said, you got any uh, basketball tickets for the Backyard Brawl, though, coming up? Uh, WVU and Pitt playing soon in, in Pittsburgh and hoops. Can I get some Backyard Brawl basketball tickets? Uh, but, yeah, Pitt, uh, they're out there desperate to, to put some butts in some seats when they've got ranked Syracuse coming to town. But no, but it, you know the sellout had nothing to do with WVU fans. As, as, no, as not Narduzzi, at all. Usually, like, Pat Narduzzi usually like West, when you – when you call something complimentary tickets or otherwise, there's a compliment attached to it, right? I'm not sure what the compliment is there, right? It's, uh, hey, can we please, uh, you know, get you to attend this game? We can't put anybody in the seats. All we're doing is playing Please, a ranked sir. team, and it's not Might called West Virginia. Old... There's nobody there. And, yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, what about basketball tickets? And she was like, ah, oh, they go on sale in a couple of weeks. I'll call you back. And I was like, all right, sounds good. I'll take, I'll take some of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, we gotta, we gotta get the break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll do some recaps. We will take a look at the predictions and the projections that we made last week and see how we did uh, with all of that. We'll do that after these words from our friends at Toothman Ford. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here, your new favorite WVU football podcast. Every week here on this program, we make some projections. We make some predictions. It's time to see how we did in those ventures. Jed, this is the part where we uh, let you run with it. We'll pull up the graphic here now. How did we do for our top 25 games that we projected last show? Uh, as always, projections you're looking at on the left based on point spreads, over-unders, yada, yada. Uh, actual results you're looking at on the right. I'll walk you through for those listening. Alabama projection, 
We had them winning 35-28 Knoxville. That didn't happen. 52-49 balls. You might have heard that didn't happen. Ends up in the river, right? Uh, Hold on, real quick, real quick, real quick. How do you put the? How do you throw the goalposts in the river? How do you not cut that thing up into like 50 different pieces and put it all the bars and frat houses and dorm rooms? Well, Without anyone had guys. power tools at that point in time, it would probably not be a good thing. <laughs> the guy's riding the riding the top of it, smoking the cigars were the best part of it. Uh, Michigan, we projected a 28-21 win over Penn State. Actually, it wasn't even close. Michigan in the big house blew the doors off Penn State, 41-17. Just it, mulched them. The deuce was loose. This one we projected as a close Utah win, 31-27 was our projection. Uh, more points than we projected, but it was a close Utah win, 43-42 in Salt Lake. So uh, the fighting uh, Kyle Win- Whittingham's uh, keep rolling on. Heck of a game. That, that game, game was so much fun to watch. And then we projected a Syracuse win 24-20 over the NC State fighting Gibbies. I'll tell you what, NC State has lost their quarterback for the year. That's uh, going to be tough sledding offensively for them. So Gibby's going to have to work overtime. The actual score, Syracuse held on in the dome to stay unbeaten 24-9. to That's how our top 25 projections shook out. Yep, and we'll be, I'm sure, talking about Syracuse again later on this week, again, as they got that, uh, that big one against Clemson. Mm-hmm. But into the Big 12, Mr. Jedgar Allen Poe, three different games that we, uh, that we projected across the conference. Well, it, it always makes you wonder, folks – you know, how many times have we said it? Vegas knows things we don't. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why I don't mess with it, right? That's a nice, that's a nice so, way to put it. So, yeah, when you, when you look at it, Oklahoma was a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home versus Kansas. We projected a 35-30 Oklahoma win based on the over-under and the point spread. The actual score turned out 52-42. Dylan Gabriel made all the difference in the world for them offensively. I mean, they're a different species on offense when he's behind center. Uh, their backup quarterback situation is a major problem. Uh, we projected a 31-17 Texas win over Iowa, Iowa State based on Texas being a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, you know, that was a lot closer. Uh, but, but again, Matt Campbell, those folks aren't going to – they're going to claw and scratch. 24-21, they felt DKR. Here's This says all you need to know about the Big 12. we got one more score I'll get into, but really I want to point this out first. Iowa State has the nation's leading receiver, Xavier Hutchinson. They have a top 10 scoring defense. They have the number one defense in the Big 12, and they're winless. They're 0-4 in the Big 12. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah, there's no easy outs in this league. Meanwhile, TCU, we projected a 35-31 win at home. Uh, Look at that, 43-40, like a scorigami, just like played out in Morgantown, right? 43-40 TCU to stay unbeaten, handing Oklahoma State its first loss. And that was in Fort Worth. Yeah, that was another one. That was a that was a fun game there, and TCU rolls along. Yeah, let's hope they take care of business against Kansas State this weekend, and that would set up for a uh, a heck of a homecoming environment with a top ten uh, Horned Frog squad coming to Morgantown. Uh, all right, so those were our projections, right? We make some predictions individually as well, too. Jed, uh, I'll start with you again here on this one. Your signal caller of the week, where you predict which quarterback in the conference. Will throw for the most passing yards. And Owen, I do believe that our boy is still looking to get off the schneid here. I got another single. <laughs> All right. So I picked Max Duggan, thinking it would be a shootout against Oklahoma State, which it was, but not enough of one. Uh, Max Duggan 
286 yards passing, finished fourth. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, as we just touched on for Oklahoma, 403 yards, tough to top that one. He led the way among Big 12 passers, as you can see on the screen there. That's not Max Duggan saying I suck. That's me saying I suck because <laughs> I picked Max Duggan. So that's the difference. But uh, in our scoring system, what I get two points. All I know is I didn't get much enough to really cut into the lead you guys have. So a double. You extra double. base did. I'll take any extra base that I can get. Hey, doubles off the wall can score runs too. You just got to stack them together, baby. Uh, Owen predicts his Big 12 runaway beer truck of the week, of course, which running back will have the most yards in the conference. Big O, how'd we do? Wah, wah, wah. He singled? <laughs> I singled. I did single. I, I didn't get shut out. I did single. But uh, Eric Grave, I mean, in my opinion, finally, finally has a day, right? Yeah. Has himself a day. Tony Mathis right up there. Uh, absolute. Um, I put a uh, tweet out uh, a couple of days ago. He Decisive, determined. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Guy absolutely got it. Started running um, behind his pads. Hit the hole. It was good to see him doing it. Bijan, another big day, 135. Uh, Miller from TCU, 104. And then my boy, Devin Neal, who's been kind of quiet this year. He has been quiet this year. I, I expected more uh, than what he has. Huh? Not it's a lot of carries. Lot of carries. That's what I'm saying. Really, you know, it's... he's not really getting any carries. Um, he popped a big one. I mean, half his half his yards came on one carry. Yeah. yeah. So he hasn't. He. I don't know what's going on there. I think just maybe because what's going on in the quarterback situation right now. But uh, he's. I think they're nice because they were playing behind most. Yeah. Of you know what I mean? But yeah. But he, but just like all year, I just, I, I expected him to kind of be up there a little bit, but it is what it is. So consistent. Uno Moss for Le Beer Truck. Por favor. Cerveza. Yes. I don't know. Just, Five cervezas, please. I'm just saying the, the, the few Spanish words that I know. Well, gentlemen, I'll back clean up here then. All right. And much like uh -huh. Aaron Judge knocked this one out of the park. Wes's defense of the week. I told you the Texas Longhorns. They're playing Iowa State. They've struggled to score points. Texas coming off that, honestly, really two perfect performances back-to-back -back against us and then against Oklahoma, shutting them out 49 to nothing. Thought there'd be a little bit of an emotional letdown there. Hard to play that well three weeks in a row. They win a low-scoring game. They allowed just 21 points, which was the fewest in the conference. And so not to uh, toot my own horn, but that's number two. That's but see <laughs> what it became pretty obvious on Saturday that the only thing that could stop Wes was Iowa State winning that game. Yeah, that was it. So I found myself just pulling for those Cyclones, and oh, they fell short because I was like, at least have Texas finish. You hear this, Owen? He's rooting against me. He's rooting against me. He doesn't of go all. Oh, no, I want my buddy Wes to be smart. It'll make the podcast sound insightful. No, no that. Trying yeah. to cut me down. I got a lead to cut into, and it's never going to happen. I'm sitting here. <laughs> I thought I'm lucky friend, to crack the top five. Hey, that one right there puts Wes ahead big time. Not big time. I, Not well, big five, time. That's I six think points. I think it's points, six. Right? I think you're right. Seven, six or seven. Uh, somewhere or I have the scorecard. We'll five or six points because I think we were 19, 18, or 18, we'll put 17. it up again next week. Yeah, or maybe we might even put up again. Jed didn't want to put it up this week because he looks like a Lou Zaher. Well, I think we can put it up. We can put it up later. Lou Zaher. 
when we make our projections for this week, we'll put it up. Nonsense, poopy pants. <laughs> I thought we were just doing more Ace Ventura stuff. We got to get to another break here. When we come back, though, we will uh, cannonball into some more Baylor discussion, some recap there. The good, the bad, the pivotal moments, all of that when we return on the other side. Wesley Euler, Owen Schmidt, Jed Drenning, you are in the gun. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia-owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. ITG back uh, in the saddle here. Time for some more Baylor conversation. Forty-three to forty, the Mountaineers victorious at home on Thursday night. Jed twenty-one and five now. The Mountaineers at home on Thursday night. You gotta love it. Baylor now zero and six in Morgantown. Come get you some bears. All right. And we didn't even need uh, Jonathan Kimball and his musket to shoot the bears down this time. We just did it with a little uh, power of Owen and I in the stands together. Um, the good, the bad. Go, go ahead. What were you saying? That's all it took. That's all it took. Right? Uh, hey, Owen and I undefeated in attendance at WVU games together. I'm just saying we're willing to travel if we can get a stipend. All right. Brother. Brother. Shane Lyons, li- Shane Lyons listening. Right, we'll go to Lubbock this He'll weekend. We just need a stipend. We'll travel for Bratwurst. And the phone number of that Maryland girl who smashed the beers off of her head so we can give With it to Kevin Big Owen. still stalking, yes. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Behave. Uh, Jed, I assume we want to start with the good here uh, after sure. a win like that. And there's, there's certainly plenty to get into. What stood out to you on the sideline? Uh, well, let's, let's start with the obvious, okay? We controlled the line of scrimmage offensively. Uh, the, that battle-tested veteran offensive line looked like the battle-tested veteran offensive line with what I think is the best center in college football and Zach Frazier, you know, directing traffic and leading the way. Uh, you know, Tony Mathis showed up, you know. You talked about it last week. If there was a moment for Tony I Mathis did. to show up, now's the moment for him to show up. And we also hit on the fact that a year ago, coming off the bye, is really when he came out of his shell against uh, TCU in Fort Worth. Once again, coming out of the bye, Tony Mathis brings his best. A premium effort by Tony Mathis. Uh, and, and, you know, Justin played good football too. But as Owen talked about, you're seeing decisiveness. You're seeing him run with authority. Uh, again, when we run that stretch play and he's starting to master it, he was doing things that he necessarily maybe didn't do as much of. And, oh, and I'll tell you what, I like that counteraction, too. We were pounding him a little bit with that counteraction, you know. We'd put that tight end out, kick him over, you know, with the puller. And it, so we were getting pretty physical and creating some lanes. And those wideouts blocked. I mean, I pointed out on Twitter the block on the final drive, the long run that Tony had. You had KP and same Jan- Sam James to that side really holding their own in those blocks downfield. Uh, big plays in the run game don't happen. Owen could tell you this without the wideouts doing their job downfield as well. So across the board, I think Wyatt Milam, we said last week he didn't play a year ago. 
This year he did. He made a difference. Doug Nestor played a heck of a football game. So across the board, that tackle rotation at right tackle is still being still effective, still working. Uh, the clutch catches by the wideouts. I mean, they came out of, and I told Bryce Ford Wheaton this in the locker room, you guys came out of your worst game into your best game because they knew they left a lot on the table at DKR in Austin. And boy, did they respond. Boy, did they bounce back. I mean, we could go across the board, whether it was KP, whether it was Bryce, whether it was Sam, uh, Reese Smith Reece with a big Smith, catch down the scene. Yeah. So big catches there. And then, uh, look, the defense, yes, we'll get into the fact that they gave up some big plays, and we need to get better at that. We need to have some continuity develop on that back end. But forcing three turnovers, all critical, uh, one of them scoring yourself with a Jasir Cox fumble return, you can't say enough about that, but I, I think, guys, this looked like not just a physical football team, but a smart football team. And to me, you can encapsulate the football IQ portion of it into maybe the last play we ran from scrimmage. I remember when we were down there, there was a lot of strategy, interesting strategy that you were watching and waiting to see how it was going to unfold. I mean, with 47 seconds to go, Dave Aranda is sitting on all three of his timeouts. Is he going to let us score? Is he going to go for three quick timeouts and try and hold us to a field goal and try and drive the field? We were down to only two corners in the program healthy at that time. That's how many corners we were down. So if we had another injury at corner, one of you guys was going to have to step out of the stands and play corner, right? And that would have been dangerous because we had a lot of, be lot of beers. Uh, <laughs> That's I mean... exactly right. So talk about high football IQ. The last play we ran from scrimmage, Joe, and you might have noticed this too. When we bounced that thing with Tony, he was getting driven and pushed toward the sidelines and had to fight tooth and nail to get back inside on that cutback and really force Baylor to use that third and final timeout. Mm -hmm. I mean, you never know. Again, you're, you're down to two cornerbacks. They're one big play away from a long field goal shot to tie it if you do take that three-point lead. So good on Tony for being smart enough to stay in bounds and make a savvy football play and force Baylor to burn that third and final timeout. Uh, but yeah, th there was, there was a lot of good to go around. Uh, I, I think every group and then even the special teams units, how much can you say about Casey, the model of consistency? And we don't talk about this a whole lot just because you know how many opportunities these days, but we didn't mention it last week because we kind of sort of thought it was going to rain, right? We talked about Baylor's sagging kickoff coverage unit being the poorest in the Big 12. Well, that last possession, don't look now, that mattered. We got to return one kickoff all night and got it out to the 33-yard line to set ourselves up with good field position when we did. So all three units kind of pitched in and did something to help us win that football game, whether it was the critical turnovers forced by the defense, the big plays and snatching the football out of the air, but the wideouts on offense, the running game on offense, and we just talked about the special teams. So plenty of good to go around. There you go. Yeah, I mean, what can I say really that Jed hasn't, though? I mean, I'll brag on uh, Tony for a minute. I mean, just it was good to see him finally clicking. You know what I'm saying? We knew he had it in him. Uh, you know, who knows what happened on the bye week? Maybe he just needed to get his head right. Maybe just some things with what's going on in that room. Uh, uh, who knows, but it was clear that he was on point, uh, whether he prepared enough or, or what it was, but he was, he was ready to roll. And it was fun to see. I mean, 
163 on the ground is, is nothing to, uh, to bat an eye at. That's a, that's a big day on the ground. And, uh, it was something that I feel like he needed for himself and his confidence a little bit because he's capable, very capable. Yeah. Yeah. Jed, do you, do you by chance know his, what his yak or, or, uh, yeah, what his yak was? I'll check for the next the episode, head, but, but it had, this. I mean, it had to be I'm, substantial. I'm pretty sure I could look at PFF and check that out, but I could tell you this, that game put him over 75 yards a game, which makes us, it anoints us as the only team in the big 12 with two running backs averaging 75 yards or more. And I think now K state does it with a quarterback and running back Martinez, but we're the only team with two running backs. And I think we're one of only three or four teams in college football hmm. to do it, at least power five football. So uh, that's rare, but I agree with you. Uh, I think a lot of his his uh, yards were after contact. Yep, he was running with with a physical nature to what he was doing. That uh, the decisiveness was impressive. Uh, his physicality was impressive. Uh, but again, I I thought it was a great mix of what we were doing off up front from a physicality standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, keeping them all balanced, just enough gap, just enough zone. It, it everything clicked offensively for us. It really did. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, KP just balling out. Uh, what, what a great game! Yeah. What a great, what a great game! You, you're starting to see some some confidence, right? You're starting to see that a little bit, and that's what you want to see in a young guy like that. I mean, once once that starts happening, man, oof, look out! It's scary. It's scary, right? We get Bryce back on board. Uh, and uh, some of them other guys in that room on board, and whew, it's going to look ugly. We talked right? about the backs, Owen. We're also the only team in the Big 12 with three receivers with 300 or 50 yard and 50 yards or more. So three playing yeah. right there for us. And, and like I said, Reese sneaking in once. It seems like Reese is coming up with a big catch a game, you know, and that's something to build off of. And I think down the stretch you can expect some more out of – you know, Cortez Braham, Jeremiah Aaron. So that room is really coming together well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two two quick things for me before we get to some of the the mm-hmm. bad or just the you know the things that, that that could have cost us or could still be cleaned up here a little bit. Uh, echoing what you guys said about Caden Prather, um, Sunday night when I got home from from working the the Steelers game, it's always the difficulty for me of like doing WVU football shows and, and hosting a Steelers show as well too. Is sometimes I get my signals crossed with like. Okay, wait. Was this that game? Was this the WVU game? Was this the Steelers game? Wait, what play am I thinking of here? So I actually rewatched our game, the WVU Baylor game Sunday night, because I wanted to make when I got home from from Steelers, because I wanted to make sure I was on the same page. And it had been a few days since Thursday, and as we've said a few times, there were a lot of cold ones consumed Thursday night. So I wanted to make sure that the memory was sharp and intact. I mean, Caden Prather was even better than I thought he was on Thursday night. There were there were a couple times that 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 JT had him and just wasn't able to make the right throw, or the timing wasn't right, or didn't quite get the, you know, the the um, length of time that he needed there in the pocket. But I thought Caden Prather was phenomenal Thursday night, even better Sunday when I when I went back and watched it. That's the first thing, and the second thing, like you said too, Jed, uh, the turnovers forced by the defense. I think that's what we had been waiting for. You know. It's one thing to give up points. That happens a lot in college. I mean, Alabama and Tennessee, right? It's supposed to be the SEC, right? What was the final score of that game? 52 to 49, right? Wasn't that, wasn't that the final score? That's college football now. You're what happens in the Big 12, it's bad defense. What happens in the Big 12, it's an instant classic, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's Hendon Hooker against uh, Brian Bryce yeah. Young. I mean, look <laughs> at these quarterbacks. I tell you what. Um, <laughs> but for me, 
You're going to give up 40 points, you're going to give up 40 points. That's, that's going to happen in college football. You're going to give up 35 points, you're going to give up 37 points. That's going to happen in college football. But you have to be able to bend but not break. You have to be able to force field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone, and you have to take the ball away at opportune moments. And that's what this defense did. The scoop six, the two big turnovers, the, the forced fumble and the interception down, you know, in the shadow of our own end zone. Um, if you're going to give up points and yards, that's fine. You can still win as long as you're doing those things as well, too. And so that was that was very encouraging to me. Caden uh, Prather, Caden Prather, and the the real bend but don't break defense from WVU. You know, at times, um, throughout the Neil Brown era, you know, maybe uh, nineteen twenty, some of those times when the defenses were really playing well. You know, I think particularly maybe over the last two years as well too, when Jordan Leslie has had that unit humming. That's what they did so well. Is is they would give up yards and they'd give up some points, but. But they would, man, they'd stand tall once they got towards the shadow of their own end zone, and and that's certainly what they did uh, well, Thursday night once again. And, Wes, what you're talking about is stops are at a premium in a game like that because it's all about stealing a couple possessions here or there, right? I remember when Gary Patterson, the old school defensive curmudgeon that he was, okay, when he finally came around to the notion in 2013, 2014, when he hired Sonny Cumbie and, and put that staff together and opened up to the idea that he's going to have to win some shootouts. Okay. He can't win 13 to 10 every week. He said, look, it's fine to win 45, 38 once in a while. That's fine. I remember thinking, watch out because now that Gary Patterson is fine with winning 45, 38, those games are all about stealing a possession or two and getting a key stop at a key moment. So if your defense can swell up and rise to the occasion and just do that, I mean, I think of you're going to have to do that in Lubbock. I mean, mm -hmm. stops are going to yep. be at a premium in Lubbock. I mean, it could easily be another shootout. So who wins the turnover battle? Who gets the key stop? And, and look, we weren't dominant in the red zone as we have been in the past, but I can think of one play in one situation that turned out at the end of the night to matter. And that was a key third and 10 in the first half. Okay. And all I could think was Baylor's in the red zone facing a third and 10. If they pick up five or six, they're going for it. And they're probably punching it in and scoring seven, right? But instead of picking up five or six, we sacked them for a four-yard loss and took that off the table. We held it. We forced them to settle for that field goal. That was critical, as was the PAT block by Dante. Huge. And the return by Jacoby Spells. Those tiny little things. The difference, nobody knows this better than the 2022 Mountaineers. The difference between victory and defeat is so slim. We're a couple plays away from losing a couple more or sitting here at five and one. It's so slim. So if you can find a way to make those plays and hold and keep the other team, prevent them from doing so, you saw what happened. Yeah, well said. Uh, that's, that's what you have to do, particularly in this league. Um, and that's what they were able to do Thursday night. Uh, let's go to the bad, though. The concerns here wasn't all uh, sunshine and rainbows. We had another muff punt, which I, mean, mm. I think Owen had to stop me from jumping out of the section after that. I'm trying to jump off the back of the stadium, and Owen's like, no, come on, buddy. It's all right. It's going to be fine here. <laughs> uh, what, what, what stood out to you in that regard, Jed? Some, some areas that they'll, you know, that they'll be, again, be, be highlighting and, and trying to clean up here with the long week ahead. You talked about the muff punt. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's happened three times. It's hurt us in a big way one time. We've been fortunate the other couple. So we've already dodged two bullets. Let's rectify that thing before another bullet finds its place, okay? 
uh, holes in coverage, big plays allowed defensively. We've talked about that. Part of it is a function of personnel. You're down to two corners. Of course, uh, there's going to be some exposition there. Gain Baylor's a well-coached football team. Jeff Grimes had a great plan. When he sees you're down to two corners, he's going to game plan it. He knew going in that we were kind of deficient in certain areas on the back end because of injury. So he attacked that. He exploited that. He game planned accordingly. I mean, so many of those plays off that stretch action, everything they do and build offensively at Baylor is off that stretch action. And when I went back and watched the tape, we were six inches, seven inches, eight inches away from a tipped football, maybe another turnover. And instead of a tipped football, he hits an open crosser streaks for 35 yards. I mean, that has to be addressed. Again, part of that will be a function of getting personnel back. Is Charles Woods back? That's something to stay tuned this week. I mean, there's been the possibility for a couple weeks that maybe, maybe not he could play in Lubbock. Again, stay tuned. I don't make those kind of predict predictions or projections. Listen to the medical staff. If that's on the table, that would be big. That would be very big, especially in light of what played out in the second half. I knew that the, uh, the targeting was going to be appealed this week. We'll see how that works out. But that corner room has taken some hits. And then, you know, we look at the false start in another goal-to-go situation. I, look, it's been a signature of this offensive football team. It hurt us again there. We survived it because we won the game, but it cost us points. It cost us an opportunity at points. We had to settle for a field goal there. So uh, these pre-snap penalties, those are the types of things that it's difficult to live with. Those are the kind of things that keep coaches up at night and drive them crazy. Look, it's one thing to have a face mask or a holding. You're straining. It's a physical game. It's a, it's a collision game. Crazy things happen post-snap when there's 22 guys with that kind of size and speed flying around. If you're hustling, penalties are going to happen, okay? But these pre-snap things, that's far more mental, and you want to see those eliminated, and they still have not been, okay? So that's where a concern would be. And then the, the uncharacteristic and untimely pick by JT. Again, when you go back and study that, I'm sure it's one of those balls as a quarterback, guys, that Sometimes a throw leaves your hand and you just wish there was a string tied to it. Oh, you know, man. Oh, if I can yank that thing back. Oh, as soon as it leaves, <laughs> it's not 18 inches out of your hand. And you're like, why did I do that? If you looked in the flat, you know, I believe it was Palende. We had a tight end leak and he wasn't open by much. But again, hindsight's always 20-20. But, but I'll promise you that's one that uh, that doesn't sit well with JT. But this is the type of situation you sit there the morning after, as you're studying the tape, as you're looking at the things that you weren't pleased with, and you're like, you know what? Things that 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 could have been catastrophic and cost us a game are now tremendous learning opportunities because we won the game, and now we have a chance to go fix those things, and they didn't cost us a game. So it's the best of both worlds. So that's kind of how I looked at that. But, yeah, there were plenty of coaching points uh, to draw from. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. I mean, just to to briefly kind of give a, a synopsis of your detailed uh, findings on the bad, uh, undisciplined on the uh, the false start stuff, right? We got to get that that stuff's got to get nipped in the butt. We've already kind of already recouped what we've talked about. Look, it it's hard to win games, okay, and the stuff that's killing us right now, we're not going to get all those breaks we did. I mean, we, yeah. we got the ball bounced our way a little bit this game, and we haven't really had that this year. Um, 
you know, how does nine, that happen? Nine points uh, away from the offense we scored. Yeah, you know what I mean? So And recovered the muff punt. Yeah, so how does that right back to how it. does that stuff happen? Uh, you know, hustling, like Coach Brown had said, right? Being in the right place at the right time. You just got to hustle. You will be around the football. I promise you, you will be somewhere within the play, right? Uh, the, the turnover, JT, hey, buddy, don't sweat it. Hey, luckily, we got the dub, right? We're out. Uh, muff punt we got to figure that out like you said i don't know if they they need to change something up or that guy needs to spend you know an entire you know when they kick the special teams guys out of practice like the first 15 minutes hey man you just need to spend the entire day over there <laughs> now you fired ree smith and put preston fox in there and preston yeah, I mean, fox <laughs> like, I don't we know. gotta check the we gotta check the uh the faucet in that room to see what they're drinking you know i know and then like you said with the, the struggles in the secondary we're down right so uh guys need it that we need to step up and make plays man there's no listen we're we're halfway you know we're halfway uh you better know the playbook right <laughs> and if you don't know the playbook all right, you better be staying after to watch a lot of film and you better be answer, asking a lot of questions, right? Um, that's just, and that's how quick it happens, right? Seems like the injury bug, once it hits you, it just, it hits you bad. So um, hopefully we you get- remember, Oh, and you remember what Rich used to tell us about this point in the year. There's no freshman on this team now. Yeah, yeah. They're all I mean, veterans. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. buddy, we're-, we're <laughs> Playbooks, hey, listen, if you got this far without playing, yeah, you're lucky, okay? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You better know what's going on. So hopefully we're we're diving in there, and I'm sure that – trust me, I'm sure them coaches are. I'm sure they are. Certainly are. You got a long week here uh, ahead of the trip to Lubbock. Let's get some of this stuff cleaned up. Let's uh, let's keep the good and, and, and improve upon the bad. Uh, gentlemen, finally here for this segment are pivotal moments. Of course, we pick a uh, key play key game moment uh, on every single recap episode. Pivotal Moments brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're checking them out at highstreetprintshop.com. They do all of our gear. I'm wearing the t-shirt right now, itgfootball.com. If you want to get you uh, t-shirts, hats, all different kinds of stuff. we got the trucker hats as well now. Uh, so thanks to our friends at High Street Prints and, uh, again, highstreetprintshop.com and uh, itgfootball.com. I'll go with you first here, Big O. I feel like I've been serving up Jed too much on this episode so far. Nobody puts Owen Nobody puts Owen in the corner, dang it. Uh, <laughs> Beer Truck, you're a pivotal moment, aside from you and I linking up in the blue lot and, and, and walking in. Here's what I'm going to say the pivotal moment was. Um, my partner, Marquise Frazier, coming up big, getting me off the clock so I can make it to the game. Uh, bringing that energy, bringing that energy, right? Getting the cold ones in me. I took a, I took a whiz uh, right before turning on to the, uh, what is that? What do they call that right across the stadium? What's that road? Uh, Which road? Don Nealon Drive? Yeah, Don Nealon Drive, Neal. right? Took a whiz right, right past uh, Pittsburgh Subs or whatever it was. I had to run across the interstate. I couldn't hold it anymore. Had too many fresh boys on the ride up. Okay. Had to take a leak. Okay. Then came into the stadium, had some moonshine, had the good vibes going, met up with Wes and the boys. Crazy time, right? And then to me, in that stupor of 
awesomeness that was happening and collaborating uh, all at once. It would it the scoop and score for me was where like all right boys let's go i mean it just it, it felt like the energy was renewed uh like we had something that they didn't uh that night plus it, it could have been all the tall boys um and and just you know meeting new people for the first time and and uh being back at the first game but that moment for me in the uh in the in the great visit that i had was probably it for me uh, it just it just literally ignited a fire under everybody jed real quick before i go to you uh i think it was like the end of the first quarter maybe early second quarter owen owen went up to uh to use the facilities right owen went to okay. uh to use to use the bathroom real quick <laughs> and there was a lady like two rows behind us who leaned forward and she goes that's not owen schmidt is it <laughs> And I said, oh, ma'am, yes, it is. <laughs> now, could you only imagine Owen trotting across the interstate there to take oh, a piss? Boy. Like, Wait a second, is that oh, the beer boy. truck running across the interstate there? Oh, full-on sprint, man. Full-on sprint had to go. Like, could not I wait you were, anymore. You were, four, you were 4 four forty sprinting across that interstate to take a pee. I know it. Yeah, and that was I with a banged-up hamstring for sure. He has a Santa Claus list of pee stories, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He really does. Yeah. I'm sure. Hey, anybody who likes to have a good time, put down some tall boys has got some good peeing stories. All right. Uh, Jed, come to you here next. Uh, pivotal moment, partner. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction, but I'd agree. I mean, a lot of people will point to after the fumble return. It was 17-10 when it happened. Baylor's driving, having their way with us, right? If Baylor, real quick, if Baylor scores there and goes up 14 right before halftime, I bet you a lot of people head head for their – That's what I'm saying. I mean, people point to the fact that we tied the game and Baylor bounced right back and took the lead again with that long pass from Shapen. But I, I think it could have taken a different turn if they went up 24-10 there. I really do. So I, I agree that was that was critical despite the fact Baylor scored right after that because it kind of – it was like the defense with the turnover grabbing them by the collar and saying, where do you think you're going? You know, it was kind of like that. And yeah, we're giving up plays. Yeah, they're kind of, you know, uh, pushing it down the field. But th that was big. But but what I'm going to go with is when we were down 37-33 in the, in the second half of the, the final quarter, uh, we, we came up with this third down and eight situation. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. It was a critical third down and eight midfield. There was pressure. The right tackle fanned things out. I think it was Brandon Yates. JT stepped up in, so it was textbook pass protection. And meanwhile, into the pit goes Caden Prather with a, with a DB draped all over him for this diving NFL-level grab to move the chains on third and long. You know what, guys? If, if he doesn't come down with that football, if we don't protect properly, as we did, uh, if they close, the, if they collapse the pocket, if JT doesn't step up to buy that extra beat, if JT doesn't deliver the laser, if Caden uh, Prather doesn't catch a BB in the dark to move the sticks. I mean, if one of those things didn't happen, it's fourth and eight at midfield. We probably punt. Who knows where it goes from there? So on a day of big grabs and on a day of the receivers really bouncing back after that poor performance at Texas, that to me was the critical moment because Two plays later, Tony Mathis busts the 34-yard touchdown to change everything, right? So I think that was the play to me that really 
put Baylor in a defensive position for the final handful of minutes of the game and really gave us all the advantage. Up, up to that point, it kind of felt like we were the more desperate team for the first, I want to say, 52 minutes of the game. It felt like we were the more desperate team and Baylor was the team playing for a position of leverage. I think from that play forward for the final eight minutes, Baylor was the more desperate team and we were playing with leverage. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden the the rabbit had the gun, right? Yep. I mean, all, all yep. of a sudden you had been chasing it. Now now they were. I like that one from you, Jed. I expected the keen, the keen signal caller eye there to to have something we weren't expecting. That's that's really good. Um I thought about the scoop six as well, too, like Owen mentioned. You know, it really felt like the energy was starting to, to go away in the building. You know, it felt like all right, right before halftime, we're gonna be down two scores. Maybe some people start leaving. Uh, instead, you're tied up, and, and like you mentioned, uh, Jed, you end up falling down seven, but that, that was a, a big moment. I thought about the blocked extra point, which was another one of those when it started to feel like, okay, is Baylor going to build a cushion here? All of a sudden, you, you had the crowd mm. jumping. That obviously loomed large at the end. Instead of kicking a field goal um, you know, to potentially tie or get yourself back in the game around to score a touchdown, all of a sudden you're able to, to kick the field goal and win there with, with that swing. Um, I thought about, as I mentioned earlier, the two big turnovers, kind of uh, the forced fumble and the interception in the shadow of your own end zone. Mm -hmm. My pivotal moment was Casey Legg's field goal with 33 seconds left in the game. All right, because if you guys haven't gathered this from me now through 16, 17 episodes of us doing this, I'm sure Owen did on Thursday night when he was sitting there next to me for three and a half hours. I've been, I mean, my initials are WVU. I've been a WVU fan my whole life. Some of my earliest memories in life are being six and seven years old, chucking the football around with my grandpa in the blue lot. I am like a dog that's been beat too much. That's a Bruce Springsteen line, right? You end up like a dog that's been beat too much. That's me. I am just, it's bad, believe me. I realize I should not be like this, but I convince myself during games like that that we're going to find a way to lose every single game that we're going to lose. This isn't going to go well. This is going to be crushing. This is going to be depressing. This is going to kick me right in the gonads, right? And I know I shouldn't be that way as a fan. That's not the way to be. But again, 31 years of, of bleeding uh, gold and blue here, you know, I'm just a product of my environment. Um, it was a Casey Leg field goal because until that thing, even when they were getting ready to snap the ball, I'm like, this is going over his head. This is going to get blocked. Something's going to happen here. Uh, Casey Leg field goal with 33 seconds left. When that went through the uprights, I was like, all right, we got this. The defense is going to put the clamps down here. We're going to get out of here with a victory. Owen's going to headbutt me 37 times, and I'm going to go into concussion protocol, but it's all right because we got a long week till the next game. Uh, my pivotal moment was Casey Legg's field goal because I was just convinced that it wasn't going to happen until it happened. I like it. There's a lot that goes into even a short field goal. I mean, first, that was on the hash. Yeah. You, you, your mind immediately goes to operations, right, Owen? The snap, yeah. the hold. And, you know, Casey's told me a million times, it's always the short ones, the easy ones that he hates the most, right? Any kicker will tell you that. Well, got to get the ball up, you know what I mean? Got to get the ball up. There, and that angle gets cinched yeah. down. And, 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 and then with the final 30 seconds, again, all that kept going through my mind was we have two corners left. That's it. They got all this, this room full of speed at their wideout core, and, and we got two corners left. And, and I remember 
before the kickoff in the final 30 seconds, I'm standing next to Dante and I grabbed Dante on the shoulder pad and I leaned in and said, brother, if he can't breathe, they can't do this. And he's like, I know, I know, watch this. I know, watch this. First snap out of the gate was, I thought he had a sack. I thought he had a sack. I mean, he definitely got it. He understood that we were going with a three man pressure. Of course you have to drop numbers and resources into coverage to play it smart, but you still need pressure. And I thought he was going to sack it and end it right there. He almost did. He almost did. But he was he you know, was great down the stretch. Yeah, he sure was. He sure he, was. He, yeah. he was he was fan. him and JT both. I thought, you know, in the first half, they there were some plays out there that, that they I'm sure wanted back. Both both JT and Dante, but but second half, you know, particularly I think JT responding after that interception. They 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 were both huge down to the your stretch. To your point, Wes, I, when I was playing at W back in this would have had to be ninety. Okay. Was that 1776 when you suited up? 1776. Uh, we were playing Maryland, and this was a, a rock fight for 58 minutes. Okay. And uh, I remember that we were up 10 7, and there were only a couple minutes left in the game, and this just defensive slugfest. Okay. Scott Zolak, longtime backup for the Patriots, still, I think, works for the Patriots uh, radio network, doesn't he? I was going to say uh, that you name probably sounds know. familiar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he was the quarterback for Maryland, and uh, he hit a skinny post, and Cecil Doggett slipped. 70 yards, touchdown, game winner, 14-10. So we've all seen these things happen. We all know they can happen. But what you're hoping is somebody on your side will make a play. It's like when you're, when you're building or rebuilding a program, okay, uh, which we had to do at Glenville, you know, to some extent with, you know, the situation that was inherited in 2019, we had to rebuild, right? Uh, oh, and you know what this is like. You, you go from waiting on the other shoe to fall, just like Wes was saying. Players can be like fans. And if you haven't conditioned yourself and been through the battles and come out on top, well, yeah, you're waiting on something bad to happen. I mean, I remember at Glenville, specifically, we were playing the number four team in the country. And we hadn't won a big game, okay? I mean, Rich took over a job. They had won a game in a couple of years. He got all of us in his transfers. We didn't know we were supposed to be bad, but we didn't know how to win together yet. So we were playing the number four ranked team in the country, and we were up 28 to six. And there were like six minutes to go, and they're driving. And I still remember thinking to myself, oh, no, they're going to score a good for two, and this is going to happen. They're going to onside, and this is going to happen. <laughs> well, the next thing you know, uh, our strong safety belted their uh, slot in the flat. And our corners scooped the ball and went 95 yards for a touchdown. Our sideline exploded, okay? The next night, we were watching the tape. <clears throat> Rich turned the light on, stopped the tape, paused it. And he's before the play started, we were watching it as a team. And he said, guys, I'm going to show you this next play, and I don't want you watching the field. I want you watching the sideline. And so we watched the sideline. It was 60 guys six feet off the ground. All right. He turned the light back on and he looked at us and said, that's why we're going to win championships here. I think from that point forward, we stopped waiting for the other shoe to fall. We stopped waiting on something bad to happen. And Owen, I know you've been here. It just reached the point the last couple of years I was playing with Rich that we're like, we're down 90 seconds ago. Somebody's going to make a play. It doesn't have to be me. One of my boys is going to make a play. I just got to do my part. Pitch, catch, distribute, somebody always makes a play. We always find a way to win. So you go from that to that. And all I kept thinking about, I said this in the postgame show after this game, this is the type of game 
where all three units are so interconnected and all three units have to depend and lean on each other. The offense had to build a defense out. It wasn't the defense's best night, yet the defense found a way to force those turnovers, get those key stops, and the special teams pitches in with a blocked kick, the two-point return, the game-winning field goal, the critical kickoff return. All three units played a role. This is exactly the type of game where you start to turn that corner and go from waiting something bad to happen for expecting something good to happen. And that is how you build a program. This is the type of game I wonder happens in, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that. And it's funny Wes brought that up about just expecting something bad to happen because I was fortunate enough to play on a team where literally you just never thought you were going to lose. It did not matter. I mean, when, when, with number five and number 10 back there, yeah. I'm telling you, it was like, eh, they'll break a long run. We'll, and we'll come back. Yeah, we'll 80, come, seconds, we'll, 80 seconds left against Louisville. No problem. Yeah, That's it's like, problem. yeah, we're, in, we're, we're, we're losing to Louisville bad. It's like, eh, well, I think we're going to come back. I think we're going to make this happen. Hater bowl on down the line. Right. Yeah. Same, yeah. same thing. It just, and, and you have to become accustomed to that, right? You have to, you have to get in that positive mentality because, and, that, and how that's built, like you said, it's built through the conditioning programs, the strength programs, the, the reps at practice, finally getting the wins, finally getting those plays, finally stacking those victories. Um, it takes a little bit of time, but once, once everybody gets on board, it's funny. Everybody starts thinking positively, man. It just happens. It just well, happens. You, you go from we had the tipped ball against Pitt at the end, and we all know how that ended, okay? Yep. Well, I talked a little bit ago about the big catch by KP on third and eight. Well, that possession started with a big catch by guess who with the game on the line? Bryce Ford Wheaton. So just like Owen talked about, this, every team's different. Every year's different. Every edition's different. This is Team 130, as Neil likes to call them. He tells them in the locker room, hey, Team 130, because they're, they're carrying the torch for the 129 teams that preceded them at West Virginia. So Team 130 went through the offseason together. And that's the first time Team 130 truly got to know one another. So we're still finding out what it's all about when yeah. things start flying between the lines. And when the game's on the line against a well-coached Baylor team, and you've been hearing all week that you're an underdog and yada, 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 okay? And then in this critical moment, key things happen in your favor. Guys step forward and make plays to help you win yeah. instead of things that set you back. Yeah. That's when you start to believe, and that's when magic starts to happen. If you string together enough of those types of things, that's how quality football teams are made right there. Well I said. agree. Well Belief. Said. I, I, love, I love hearing you guys talk about that. It's good. Something, my, my co-host you know, for the, the show that I do uh, here in Pittsburgh is Arthur Motes. He mm -hmm. played four years with the Bills, four years with the Steelers, and then one with the Cardinals. And he talked. He, he never had a winning season in Buffalo. This is obviously long before Josh Allen, and right. Yeah, never yeah. had a never had a winning season in Buffalo. Had three different head coaches in four years, and he talked about how when they would get into those tight moments, it was that same thing. I would, all right, how are we going to blow this? And then when he got to Pittsburgh, and, and they're yeah. making the playoffs every year, and he's like, same thing. All right, Ben Roethlisberger is going to save us. Antonio Brown's going to save us. I mean, someone's going to make a play here. It is. It the is crazy how that that mindset is, permeates. The contrast is amazing. And, and I think that more than any other thing in football or probably sports at large, I can't speak with much clarity beyond football. 
I think that thing, this mindset that we're all talking about, that Arthur Motes discussed with you, that that Owen had with Steve and with Pat, that we developed because we had faith in each other. When you start believing, true belief like that in your teammates, whether it's getting a stop defensively, making a kick on special teams, uh, somebody popping a big one for you on offense because you threw a quick screen to them. When somebody consistently delivers for you in that locker room on your team, that wins more games than any other single thing in football. That right there. Coach Nealon used to tell us when I played for him, he's like, look, even the NFL, not just college football, but even the NFL, if you'd walk in the best team in the NFL in one door into this team meeting room and the worst team in the NFL in the other door, you couldn't tell them apart. If they're in street clothes, they all look the same. It's all here. It's all what you believe. It's all what you're confident will happen. That one thing, uh, there's no doubt in my mind, wins more football games than anything else. I mean, there's parity among the talent. Talent matters, right? Jimmy's and Joe's matter, okay? But there's so much parity. These games so often come down to a sequence of a handful of plays. I mean, we'll play a game where each team has 70 snaps. And after, you know, when you count the special teams, you're talking 150, 180 snaps in a game. It always comes down to a handful. Not always, but often comes down to that handful. Well, that handful, the teams that have what we're talking about, have a heck of a track record of winning those handful of plays instead of losing. When you start to believe, crazy, magical things can happen. Absolutely, absolutely, and hopefully this team's starting to believe, and that rolls into Lubbock next weekend, or this I weekend, so. I guess now, This weekend, yeah. Uh, we're going to take our final quick break here. We'll wrap up things on the other side, tell you what we got going on the rest of the week, all that good stuff before we get out of here. You are in the gun. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Mountaineer Nation, have you visited us online? For great gifts and gear and our entire episode playlist, check out ITGFootball.com. You heard it there, folks. You want some merch? You want this T-shirt that I'm wearing? You want some Schmidt Happens, some trucker hats, all kind of good stuff? ITGFootball.com is uh, is where you can get it. And I, you know, I can't promise you that Owen's going to be at every game, but if you get some ITG merch, come see me in Box Five, and I'll sign it for you. I mean, I come on, whose autograph do you want more, mine or Owen's? I mean. <laughs> Uh, ITGfootball.com. He's, he's busy peeing by the interstate. So <laughs> he's, busy. <laughs> he's busy looking for that girl from Maryland. 
Yeah, and don't worry about Jed. He's going to file a workers' comp claim for, on Tony Mathis for his foot being hurt. <laughs> That's right. I think I might. <laughs> I think I might. <laughs> It's his the money, size of a freaking he orange. He needs it now. <laughs> Don't call plant J- that seed. Call JG Wentworth, Jed. Get your get your cash. Eight seven seven cash now. If you've been stomped on by Tony Mathis, uh, it's gonna be a fun week. We've got another three episode week for you guys here. So this Baylor recap, uh, obviously, you'll be getting uh, in your inboxes and on your phone and and in your uh, YouTube action on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we'll have another special edition No Huddle episode as Professor Schmidt will get you ready to go down there to Lubbock and take on them Red Raiders. And then, of course, later on in the week, we will have the full Texas Tech preview episode. So, gentlemen, busy week. Uh, Can't wait to get going here. One last reminder, this episode brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Uh, betonline.ag for all of your betting needs. Thanks to them for getting involved. And, fellas, it's uh, it's going to be a fun week here. I'm looking forward to it. Excited. I'm excited well, about Professor Schmidt making right. another appearance. We're, That's right, Wednesday. Wednesday. We're dragging Professor Schmidt out of the library for another appearance. Yeah. Wherever you'll get your podcast. I don't know why all of a sudden I wanted to talk like Sean Connery there. Wherever you'll get your podcast. And your YouTube videos, watch out for Professor Schmidt coming at you on Wednesday the 18th. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not great, it's but, it's, but, it, yeah. but it's but it, but it's not bad either. Now uh, all we need is we need Owen to do uh, his version of his partner in crime in The Rock there. You know, Nicolas Cage. So. Yeah, I'll do my best, but I don't think I got it. Okay. Uh, so make sure you're, you're rocking and rolling with us on all your social media platforms in the gun uh t- po- in the gun podcast part of me twitter facebook uh instagram also in the gun podcast you can subscribe there on youtube if you want to see our beautiful mugs and the uh the visual element and the graphics of, of all the show here as well too but that'll do it for us this time we'll talk to you again in just 24 hours here or so for jed drenning and owen schmidt i'm wesley Euler. you've been Oh, that's right. Thanks, Owen. One more thing before tell an we ear go. To tell yeah. an ear. Yeah. Tell an ear to tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast as we gear up uh, for a big second half of the season here for the Mountaineers as things really get interesting. That'll do it for this time, though. Talk to you tomorrow. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.